Wow, it is uh, again good to be with you. Yesterday, the elders were uh, over in Santa Cruz having our retreat. Jody sent me a picture of my youngest. Zach woke up kind of sick and not feeling well and, and, and sent me a picture of him on the couch watching the football game. And I looked at the picture and I saw that he was wearing a 49er shirt and then I loved him a little less. And um, then my second thought as a Dallas Cowboy fan, well, if you're wearing a 49er shirt, you deserve to be sick. So there you go. So... Um, so uh, God bless you in all your football ways. Uh, I'm not bitter. All right, now. Um, whoa, there we go. Hey, we are um, uh, going to do something here in a, in a little bit. We're going to be starting a, a series uh, that, again, I've said um, is something I've never done before. I've never gone back and redone a series. I'm not, but by the way, hopefully I'm not just coming and plugging and playing like, oh, I'll just take this and put it in. But I'm going back and re- kind of processing through this, this concept. There's an idea in, 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 in preaching. There are times in which you are, you are preaching something like, hey, go outward. And, uh, and we do that a lot, saying to reach your inner circle. And there's times in which, you know, we want you to have something that we want you to reflect on or maybe something that, that, that needs to change. But there are times in Scripture where what you're doing is, is you're, you're coming down and you're trying to get to a foundational level, which, by the way, then becomes what people should be building their lives on. And it should become this idea of who they really are. And, and so when I did this series, and I don't even remember what year I did this series, I remember it was one of those series in which I was preaching it. Uh, God goes, this is for you. It's for you. And then it was one of those things that if it blessed anybody else, great. But this was really a, a foundational, structural of, of that, I, that if I come down and there's hopefully a, a, a post of, of putting on that foundation going, this is something that you should stand on then that is this. And so in the next, honestly, about eight weeks, we're going to be just unpacking this because if we're going to say to you to reach your inner circle, if we're going to say to you to be impactful, there's got to be some things that you do that are foundational that become a part of how you work and how you do these things in Christ. So um, what we're going to be doing, go ahead and switch to my screen if you will. Uh, There we go, great. And so what we're going to be doing is that we're going to be looking for uh, the next eight weeks on this whole concept of what the Bible says, that God is our sustenance. Our sustenance. It's a fun word. This idea that if I'm going to eat, the idea that if I'm going to live, that there is something that sustains me. But we have a problem, and it's from the very beginning, is that in our concept We are very good to sustain ourselves. I can pay my bills, make sure my house is warm or cool, depending on the situation. There's gas in my tank. And so it's very easy for us to not understand that in some ways we miss it because what we think we're able to do, we don't understand that the person that allows us to do this gave us the possibility to do that. So let me example. I have a job and I think that I work hard and it's all on me. And you're like, no, no, no. You only got that job because of his sustaining power. You don't have to have that job. And we can really get into this place that somehow we have so much more control when we, in our True cells realize, man, we are just riding this thing by the tips of our fingers. But if we can dig deeper into who we are on the fact that there's a God who sustains us. 
So I'm just going to make it really simple. We're going to go to a dictionary definition of the word sustenance. And in doing so, um, I hope you'll see something. This is what uh, the first one is. It is um, the means of support, maintenance, or um, um, subsistence. Means of support, maintenance, or subsistence, right? So again, the the bills that that, that take care of me, the food that I have, uh, the shelter that is around me. Um, Yes, if there's a sustenance, it is those things. The second... I'm, I'm sorry, and the second of that is food, provision, also nourishment, right? So again, if someone is eating, they're being sustained uh, by those uh, calories, those, those things in that food. Number two, the act of sustaining, the state of being sustained, meaning that when you were uh, a child, your parents sustained you. They made sure you got the food that you needed. They made sure you had the clothes that you, ha- that you needed. And the reality is, is that your, your life was guided. Someone was saying, don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't run in the street. All those different things. There was this, this, this force around you as a, cow, of a child that was sustaining you. And by the way, you didn't necessarily notice it. I mean, you got up, there was cereal in the, in the cupboard, or you got up and there was toothpaste on the, on the counter. The idea was is that all that was happening. As you grew older, you realized that took effort and that took work and there was planning and all these things that had to take place. Supplying or being supplied with the necessities of life, right? And so we understand that, that as we grew up, that like, oh, this stuff doesn't grow on trees. Mom had to actually put this all out there. And we, you know, we be, I have kids like, where's the, you know? Because they expect it to be there. But the third one says this, something that gives support, endurance, or strength. Something that gives support, endurance, or strength. And so uh, I think the reason why God really just kind of sent me back into this is that if we're going to be a church, do we have people that are not relying on their skills and not relying on their abilities and not relying on maybe their, even their inheritance or what was given to them, but are they truly digging beyond all that and realizing, no, anything I have is because he's sustaining me. Any abilities I have, he gave to me. Anything that I'm able to accomplish, it's because of his will and by his power. I've been processing this sermon for a while. Last night it was interesting that there's a moment that we think that somehow, you know, it's all about us. When I was in Israel, I got to go to the Holocaust Museum. And one of the, by the way, if you go to Israel and don't go to the Holocaust Museum, you will, you will miss out on understanding something powerful. But they have this room that is just basically all of this stuff that was being carried by people that by them was probably how they defined themselves. And the one that probably caught me the most off guard was this, this cabinet full of doctor's stethoscopes. Which means when they were being run out or grabbed and they grabbed the bag, they grabbed their medical bag. Does that make sense? Because that probably was their definition of who they were. They were educated. They were a doctor. They were a healer. And they took that with them, but somewhere that got taken from them, and there was just this pile of stethoscopes. By the way, next to what we would consider just common things, because in that world, it didn't matter if you were a doctor, or if you were a plumber, or if you were a baker, that government took all that away from you. And those things didn't raise you above just because you had that ability or you had that skill didn't stop you from being walked into a guest chamber. 
So we have a God that comes along and says this, I want to be your sustenance. And I want to show you that through Scripture because I want you to see something that hopefully will help you to get to this place that honestly, and, I, and I'm really hoping this becomes an ongoing process thought of I get to do and be and, and live as I do because of the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ. So let's look at this. This is Deuteronomy 8, uh, 1 through 10. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. You shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Okay? So there's this idea that you're going to have these commandments, you're going to do them, and you're going to go in, and you're going to get this land that was promised, which, by the way, was going to be amazing. And you shall remember the whole way, 40 years, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. The whole way. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. That's the first time we hear that phrase. It's going to be quoted by Jesus later, and we're going to bring that passage up. But that man does not live by bread alone. Here we go. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, here's what's about to happen. See, the thing is, he took these people, thousands of people. He's going to march them around. They were going to go to the promised land. We know that they mess up and they get to do an extra 40-year tour. Can you imagine? By the way, in an area about the size of Arizona, just marching around. Oh, I've seen that rock before. Oh, there it is again. But he fed them every day. There's no time for them to stop and have crops. There was no time for them to do this stuff. He fed them every day. Now, let me know what he's saying. Listen, there's a bigger message that you need to hear. God is saying this, I sustain you. They woke up. They literally woke up. It came up and it was on the ground like the dew that you experience when you go outside. That's bread. That manna was there. Every day God would go, look, here it is. I sustain you. I have fed you one more day for 40 years. Now, I want you to know that the first thing my, thought, my brain went to was, well, if I came out and God was feeding me every day like that, then I would know that he sustains me. Oh, we'll get to that a little bit later. That you might know that he, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Can you imagine for 40 years, your clothes did not wear out? We've all experienced boys in jeans. They can last for what, a week? Their clothes did not wear out. It says their shoes didn't wear out. 40 years, God goes, do you understand that I completely have you? Completely have you. And it was a message to them to say, when you go into this promised land, you need to know this. 
I sustain you. This land you're going into, you're going to look at it and think somehow because you put a plow in the ground or you have a herd that somehow this becomes your ability and your strength and your... No, it's me. It's me. You have access to the ground because of me. You have access to the flocks because of me. You have access to be able to do things with your hands because of me. I sustain you. Verse 5, know in your, then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Again, knowing that if he feeds me every day and he's taking care of me and my clothes aren't wearing out every day, I should probably be very aware of the one that is over me and taking care of me. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and of water and of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and the hills. A land of wheat and barley and of vines and of fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive trees and honey. And a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, and a land whose stones are iron and out of the hills you will dig copper. And this is what he's saying, and I put it all there for you. This is what he's saying. I put it all there for you. I hid the copper in the hills. I made the streams flow out of the valleys. It is going to be so rich. You're not going to have a problem finding bread. Because there was a day, by the way, when the manna stopped. But God's trying to say when the manna stops, it doesn't stop my provision And my sustenance for you does not stop because I've already prepared a place that has all these things for you to come and to do. Now, I want to say something about um, this. Some of you obviously have, how many have a cell phone? How many of you guys have a cell phone? Can I just find, who does not have a cell phone? I love you, man. Do you understand the peace that he lives in? Do you understand the beauty of that moment? There's just times, man, just like, waka, like just gone. So in that, What's so funny is, is we go, look what we created. No, look what we uncovered. Everything in those cell phones, man had to go dig out of the ground, uncover, process, and turn it into something. But the fact is, it wasn't like we magically went, silicon. It didn't happen that way. We just uncover things and go, what can we do with it? And we start mashing it together. Oh, look what we did. We uncover What God has already healed. The copper in the hills, God goes, it's all out there. We don't even know what else is still out there for us to uncover. But folks, I'm telling you right now, the idea is we think we just make things out of... No! All we do is uncover. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Because he sustains you. And by the way, we all know, give us a famine and all this changes. Give us locusts to just come through and destroy everything and all this changes. He sustains us. He sustains us. By the way, he has given you. Do you see that? Sustains. Yeah, you got to go out. You got to dig it up. And yeah, you got to go plant it. And yes, you got to go take care of it. And yes, you got to go shear the sheep. And you got to go. Yes, there's work here. 
but he makes it plentiful. Not many people read out of the book of Amos. You're going to read out of the book of Amos today. Watch these words. And I hope these words chill you a little bit. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Oh, good. Another famine. Different. Not a famine of bread, nor of a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That's a famine. 400 years, there was silence by God. 400 years, no prophet spoke. 400 years, no one was raising anything up. For 400 years, there was literally these people going, where's God? No voices speaking up. No one telling them they were wrong. No one telling them the way to go. There was a famine in the land of the words of the Lord. And if man does not live by bread alone, but by the words that flow from the mouth of God, that is a famine. They shall wander from sea to sea. From north to east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. That's a famine. And it's this message of God not sustaining because the word wasn't going out. In that day, lovely virgins and young men shall faint for thirst, not for food, because they so desperately want God to speak. God speak. Now, why is that important? For those people to know that you have in book form, on your phones, on your tablets, God's word speaking to you, And yet so many of us won't even open it. Unless it's Sunday. We won't dive into it. And swim in it. This word of God that is speaking. That his word says is alive and active. And I think they would look at us and go, how foolish are you? He's sustaining you. He's sustaining you with his word. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, we get to Jesus. In John um, 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me because you saw signs, because you ate you're full, you're full of loaves. So here's the deal. Jesus feeds 5,000. That's a pretty good thing. There was no food. He blesses some things. Basketfuls. Hey, let's see that again. What they wanted was the physical representation of his power. He goes, you're seeking me because you want to see me do this again. Or you just get to pick bread and just eat this bread. Verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes. For the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for for on him God the Father has set his seal. So this is what he's saying. Don't come to me hoping I'm just going to make baskets of bread come out. Because the problem is, it's going to be gone by the time that it gets moldy and done. No, no, no. Go for the food that sustains you. 
Because I want to sustain you. I want to sustain you for things that are deeper and then for richer. You're going to be hungry again physically. But I want to sustain you spiritually. I want to sustain you in how you should stand and who you should be and what you should do. Go seek for those things. Go walk into those ways. That's what he's trying to get them to do. Verse 31 Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So he's going back to what we just read. My father gave your fathers manna, which means they walked out. He sustained them. He gave them this bread. He sustained them. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Because he's the sustainer. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This is what he's saying. I'm now the bread. Now that gets funky to see Jesus as this big loaf of bread, but I'm the bread. They would walk out and it would be on the ground, but I have come. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This, look, I want to believe that Jesus always had control, but I also want to believe that Jesus sighed a few times. Does that make sense? Kind of like, I know he sighed with his, <laughs> with his apostles. He was like, really guys? Really? Sir, give us this bread always. She said to them, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. I'm here. I'm the bread of life. I want to sustain you. I want to fill you. I want to give you the strength to go one more day. I want to give you the energy. We all understand that food is fuel. I want you to eat of me and be fueled into what is right and to what is good and what is, to, what is holy. I am the bread of life. But I said to you, you have seen me and you do not believe. For this is the will of my, of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son uh, and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. I'm your hope. I'm your sustainer. By the way, not just in this life, but in the one to come. So the Jews grumbled about him because they said, I am, because they said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They don't like that. Because now you're messing with history. They really held on to what happened in the 40 years that, that God sustained their people. And he's kind of messing with that. He's kind of coming into that lane. And they don't like that. Don't you start talking about that. That was God blessing our fathers. And now you're trying to say that that's you? And they're grumbling. They said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So now he's starting to go, they're like, no, 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 no. We know where he was born. We know who his mother was. We know who his father was. How can he say he is this bread come down from heaven? Because again, I keep telling you, because he didn't look, what they were, look like what they were looking for, they're just discounting him. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. So here's the thing. Here is miraculous gift of God bread. Listen to me. And yet it still did nothing more for their bodies than if it would have been bread that they would have kneaded and cooked and put into an oven. Does that make sense? Because they ate this bread, it didn't do something magical in them. They still had to eat it every day. I mean, yes, it was a miracle how they received it, but what they did for their body was just simply like they would eat if they were eating a loaf of bread that one of them would have made. It didn't, because they ate it, mean that they weren't going to die. Because they ate it, meant they weren't going to. No, it just was what it was. And so he says very clearly, your father, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. Now, we're not talking about the fact that if you eat this bread, you live forever and that you'll never experience death. What we're talking about is that you will never experience the separation from a heavenly father. That you get to have him for eternity. But you got to eat this bread. And by the way, he is the sustainer. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. So he goes, look, see this? I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to die on the cross. And then you are going to come and partake of me. Now, I understand this gets into a weird analogy. It's just people like, what do you mean, eat his flesh? I mean, I mean, he's going to say that in just the next verses. But listen to me. This is what he's trying to say. When you come to me, I sustain you for what is eternal, not what is just going to be temporary. Most of you are going to leave here. You're going to go get lunch. Ironically, you're then later going to have dinner. And if you haven't figured it out, tomorrow the process is going to happen all over again. And what he's trying to say to us is, no, you come and you eat of me. And I start taking care of those spiritual things that, by the way, sustain you and give you hope and give you this idea that, by the way, it's not the same. By the way, I want to go back to you, but I want you to know you have to remember it the whole time. Your whole time, your whole journey with him that he sustains you. Because what we do then is we very quickly go, look what I've accomplished. And God goes, you've only accomplished because I allowed you to accomplish it. And then what happens is you meet humble people that start to realize, no, what I have is because God gave it to me and he gives me life and I eat of him. How do I eat of him? I learn of his word. I sit at him and I take him in and I begin to have something far greater than I can imagine. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread of life I will give, um, um, I'm sorry, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this uh, man give us his flesh to eat? They're being very literal. Same thing Nicodemus, Nicodemus did when Jesus said, you must be born again. He goes, I'm going to crawl back into my mother's womb. Bad view, bad, bad picture in my head. Very literal. I'm just going to let you sit with that for a second. You're like, I didn't need that. That's your problem now. You work it out. 
How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, we just had communion. At this point, he has not established the Lord's Supper. And all the Lord's Supper is supposed to do is be exactly what he's talking about here. To remind us that it is by his flesh and what he did on the cross and by his blood that was spilled for us that I am, listen to me, sustained. I'm sustained. My hope is secure. Eternity is waiting for me. Because I'm eating of his flesh. I'm saying it is because of what he did. He came down and he is this bread from heaven and I'm going to eat of him. I'm not going to let my titles or my, or my bank account or my retirement or my children or my spouse or my activity or my physical prowess be that which sustains me. Those are all great things. Those are all things that can be used for his glory. Those are all things in which I can do this. But the thing that sustains me, that by the way, when I get up in the morning and I go, I am here and I'm alive is because Jesus Christ gives me life. Which by the way, if I believe that, then I would go to work different. I would go to school different. I would teach my, teach my kids differently. Over the years, and, and many of you know these stories, I don't have time to go through them, but over the years, miracles in Jody and I's lives have happened over and over again, giving about our housing, and we just, they just have happened. And there can't be too many different coincidence. But the moment that has stayed with me is that we were in a situation probably about three years ago, and um, uh, the house we were, uh, had been renting was getting sold, and we didn't know what we were going to do, and Jody, being Jody's a little bit stressed, and she's staying up, and I'm sleeping which makes her really mad because she wants me to worry with her. Does that make sense? And I don't worry. And so when things do come about and God does show up, she gets really mad because she wants to be honored for her worrying. Does that make sense? Like, how come I'm not getting points for staying up and wrestling with God and you snore? So that's our own issue. We're working through that. But Jody made a comment to our oldest, and Ethan goes, God's got this. I don't know what's going to happen, but he's always showed up. I didn't use the word sustains, but he might as well. He always takes care of us. And that so touched me because my son started to hear what I'm trying to say to you. We live because he allows us to. Does that make sense? There is no reason... Guy, 19 years ago, we come to the Bay Area and live off of one salary. Do you understand? Without God sustaining us. And doing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But my son already is going, God's got this. Because that's what God does. He sustains. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Meaning that, again, you're taking him in, you're drinking him in. And I know that's a gruesome picture, but it's meant to be this beautiful that he is the one who sustains you, not your paycheck, not your abilities, him. 
And I promise you, if you can, and we're going to do this for eight weeks, if you can dig into this, it will change, again, your worries and your concerns. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Because what you're doing is you're doing exactly what happened to the Old Testament. You're realizing that every day he gives you life. And he allows you to go to work. And he allows you to take care of your kids. And he allows you to do the things that you do. Because he sustains you. And I'm telling you, this is a foundational core issue that you need to wrestle with. And that you need to know. And the fact is, the moment that you think that somehow that what you're doing is by your ability, I'm telling you, you need to be humble to go, no, I eat again of the flesh and I drink of the blood and it allows me to do what I do. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Now watch this. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Now like the bread of the fathers ate and died. Not like the bread um, the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He came down. So that you can know that you're sustained. And we're going to get into some things. I mean, as we go through this, we're going to talk about the fact, no, he makes sure that you're clothed. He makes sure that you're fed. He makes sure. We're going to walk through all of those things. But I'm trying to set the the statement of today. Man does not live by bread alone. That we might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's commandments are his enablements. God's commandments are his enablements. He enables us to be his children. He enables us to live and to move and to have our being. Folks, this is digging down into the very foundation of who you are and going, does my God sustain me? Or do I make sure I have a credit card to cover my butt? Does my God sustain me? He does, but I do have a 401k. My God sustains me. Yeah, but I bought some gold. Or is it my God sustains me? Period. And then you turn and you thank him for the gifts of your family and of your job and of your abilities because without him, they become nothing. And I know this is hard because in the American pull you up by your own bootstraps and you did it and look what you did and look what you built and look what you did. I get all that. I'm sorry. You need to know that it's only by his grace. I'm over. Man, this is tough. But listen, let me say this. When I started going to Mexico, one of the things that just hit me one time, I've been taking kids for a long time, is this. Man, what a difference a border makes. Do you understand I went down there and met good fathers who loved their children? Who worked harder than me, were more gifted than me, were more talented than me, And yet I'm the one building them a house. Why? Only because God allowed me to be born above a border 
and I got opportunities that they would never get? Folks, I don't have what I have because I'm special. I just won the lottery. Do you understand? I won the lottery by being born where I was born. And then I turn around and act like I made the lottery and it's all me and it's all out of my ability. How wrong is that? Anything you have, thank God that you were born where you were born. And the possibilities you had, that free education and a free high school. That you had the ability to step into those things and when the opportunities came, you could, you could actually take them. God is a sustainer. And we need to take ourselves off the throne, put him there, and thank him every day for what he gives us and what he allows us to do. There's going to be a lot more on this as we go through this series, but I think that's just a good starting point for us. 